Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Midgar Minute. I am Nick, joined by our great, great co-host, Chris. Ooh. What's going on, man? Oh, I'm I'm doing great, great after that compliment. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm glad you're great. I am glad you're great, great. Uh, we have a lot of great, great things to talk about today. We're going to jump right back into Crisis Core Part Four. But oh, yeah. before we do that, we have some people we need to thank. The Mosey Gang. Oh yeah, Mosey Gang. What's going on? Thank you so much for all of your support, everybody. So major shout outs to Brianne, Jillian, Kyle, Matthew, Charlotte, Scott. Kevin, AJ, Sam, and Danny, thank you all very much for your support. We appreciate it more than you know. Uh, for those of you listening, if you want to become a member of the Mosey Gang by giving as little as a dollar a month, that'll get you to our private Discord. There's a link in the episode description or in any of our social media bios. Uh, with that out of the way, Chris, you think it's time to dive in? I think it is time to dive in. Well, we're going to lead off with a very... Uh, something I'm sure... That when Crisis Core came out and you booted up the game, this is one of the moments you were probably looking forward to most. And that Zack and Aerith's paths finally crossing for the first time. Because, yeah, and, yeah go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, and it's very uh, very similar, but also very different from how Cloud and Aerith meet. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, remake overlap going on here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, I, I, if I... I feel like I was cutting you off there if you wanted to say no, something. No, 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 you're good, you're good. Get into it. Get into it, get um, into it. But yeah, so it, it kind of starts out, and it's even similar, like, uh, in Remake when Cloud falls into the church and he has, like, that sort of, you know, a, I don't want to call it an out-of-body experience, but <laughs> I guess that's kind of what it is. Yes. Um, you know, he's talking to himself. Um, Zach kind of has a very similar thing, um, but he's talking to what he thinks is his mom um which i i don't i didn't go back and check but wasn't there something uh in advent children where Aerith was like everyone's calling me their mom everyone why is everybody calling me mother lately is her line yeah and and it's funny that zach thinks that he is talking to his mom in this moment but it's actually Aerith trying to wake him up from i guess you know being knocked out from (laughs) falling through uh falling through the ceiling of the church and in the exact same flower bed and everything. And I just want to bring out one of the parallels um, that you see is on Zach's fall, we cut to a black backdrop with white feathers, where in Remake, mm. we have the white backdrop and you have the black whispers. Black, feather, black whispers, yeah. right, yes, yes. So it's uh, very interesting. Um, yeah, I, I actually... Um, Com- I went and I went back and compared. I watched each scene from each thing, from Crisis Core remake and OG. Um, and surprisingly enough, OG is <laughs> almost kind of uh, in in this context at least very um, irrelevant, I guess, because remake is kind of more of a almost a line for line remake of the OG scene between the two of them meeting. Yes. Obviously with some little caveats here and there, but there are literally some exact lines being uh, reused in remake. So I was like, Oh, you know, I wanted to see if there was any like neat, like juxtapositions between them all. And it's like, yeah, OGs like it's there, but remake kind of supplants it in terms of like in this very specific lens that we're looking at, uh, through it. Um, but yeah, I, I really love this scene a lot, um, really because ultimately, 
you can tell right away that Zack and Aerith have way, 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 way better chemistry than Cloud and Aerith do. Well, Zack speaks her language, to put it, I guess, bluntly, right? Yeah, like, it's almost it's almost even kind of like it's... Uh, they're kind of the opposite character-wise. Yes. Like, Aerith, is, in, in, in Crisis Core, Aerith is more kind of, like, laid back and more, like, demure, I guess. Whereas Zack is kind of like, you know, he's the energetic one saying all these things. You know, like the line of, you know, in Remake when Aerith is like, oh, you know... When, you know, Cloud, you know, when she asked Cloud to be her bodyguard, and he's like, oh, well, it's going to cost you. And she's like, all right, one date. Well, in Crisis Core, Zack is the one that is like, oh, well, yeah, I'll take you on a date as, you know. Well, he does it. I want to say, I want to say he does it. His movements when he says, how about one date are exactly the same as Aerith in, in Remake. Like the exact same, like motion, inflection. It's. The same, the same hand, which, I mean, there's a 50-50 chance on that. That could easily be coincidence, but you get my point. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's one of those things that I wonder if they had looked back on this scene and... They must have. Draw, yeah, they drew upon it for, like, inspiration for what they wanted the scene in Remake to look like. Um, because this, I mean, this obviously is, like, a defining moment in, in these characters' narratives... Of, you know, I mean, obviously we come, we even come to learn later on that an iconic piece of Aerith's outfit was because of Zack. Yeah, I uh, thought that was a really nice nice touch. Really nice touch. And I just, I don't know, just like watching the scene, I actually watched it a few different times just because it, it felt so like, I don't know, like I, I, maybe it's because there's that level of expectation going into it. But I felt like it just their chemistry felt so much more natural to me, and I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if that's because I know as you know as a as a player of the game of like oh that Aerith already is has fallen in love with this guy, and like you know that's your expectation going in. But I feel like even without that, it really um, it just the way that the the voice actors kind of read their lines and they the way that they acted out just seems so much more natural to me. And is like, oh man, like I, you know, no shade against Cloud, but man, I really hope that uh, he really does not fall in love with Aerith. Um, Bro, are you cause... shipping live on air right now? Are you are you shipping I, in you real know, time? Are we shipping in real time? I I I I will put my flag in the ground and say that I definitely ship Zach and Aerith over Cloud and Aerith. You and just alienated this... half the fan base. Well, our our, our downloads are about to be cut in half from <laughs> here on out. Is this is this the hill you're dying on? I uh, you know there are worse ones to die on. There are better ones to die on, but I will die on it. <laughs> well, dude, I got to be honest. I agree with you. I uh, I this is the hill we'll die on. We'll die together. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, I appreciate uh, it. I, I'm with. But at the end of the day, dude, uh, just to get back on a serious note, no, I completely agree with you. Don't get me wrong. I adore every scene with Cloud and Aerith. Seeing Aerith poke at him and kind of knock his wall down in such like a carefree and loose manner is great. However, seeing Aerith in her element with someone that can keep up with her, kind of understands mm-hmm. her quirkiness and humor. And, you know, bounces off of him well. It's It brings out a side of Aerith that Cloud can't really access. At least that we didn't get to see him access in the yeah. Midgar portion of the story. Uh, you get to see a little bit of it in the Golden Saucer if you choose Aerith and OG. But, again, it's great to see 
Aerith and Zack together like this because at the same time, this was also something that was conceptualized years before it ever actually came into fruition. Like, this, right. was, this was just words on paper. This was just backstory for a character that had just, like, I don't want to say split second, but a very small window in the original mm-hmm. game. And now oh, yeah. here we are. It's being realized and actualized in a way that, you know, not many series and franchises get to take their lore to. So it's a pretty incredible moment, all things considered. Yeah, and being being able to, like, I like kind of what you said. Like, it feels like Cloud, to me, feels like when Cloud and Aerith are conversing with each other, it feels like, you know, Aerith is just like this bright, shining light, and Cloud is just like this dark mass that is just reflecting all of the light. And any, any, any sort of pokes that she gives to him, he always kind of like is very standoffish. You don't know me. Yeah. And it's like with Zach, it's like he, not only he, he, he takes that light and he absorbs it and turns it right back at her, you know, and he's very, very receptive to her. Yeah. They bounce off each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she, you know, she's still in, in crisis course. She's still, um, you know, she still has like a sense of humor and she kind of jokes around and stuff, but she, you know, Zach takes all those little, you know, and she's, but she's still kind of, um, unsure about herself i guess i mean i guess she is younger well that's the thing i think zach brings that out of her because zach is so sure of himself like when you have Aerith, whether she's with like cloud tifa barrett like Aerith's always kind of i don't want to say dominating the conversation but she's definitely guiding any conversation she is she's the biggest energy in the room throughout all of remake zach is the one guy that upstages her zach is the one guy who's more confident than she is you know so i think it almost kind of pulls it out of her because when compared to cloud Aerith is completely confident but when compared when compared to zach not so much yeah yeah absolutely and it's like they you know you can kind of see even though in in the course of ultimately in the course of this game they don't really spend a lot of time with each other which you know it 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 kind of sucks but at the same time you know for this in service of the greater plot i understand that um, but what we do see with them, it's like, you can tell like that there are parts of Zack that imprint themselves on Aerith and 100%. especially remake Aerith because now, I mean, I think, you know, with the, with the added stuff of like voice acting and things like that, I feel like they cut, they could definitely take more from crisis core and transplant that. Like we were saying before, even when, you know, when, when Aerith was offering cloud the date that it was very similar to how Zack offers Aerith a date in this game and uh you know you can even tell even through the little time that they spend together you could tell that she opens up more I mean even in this scene we Zach is the person who gives her the idea of selling flowers yes. you know it's like she she was just you know she was just you know tending to them and growing them here and plant you know planting them around um sector five and Zach was like, oh, well, you know, they're kind of a you know a rarity around here. It's like people would love these if you'd sell them, you know. And I forgot the exact line that he says, but he's like, um, uh, what did he say? Uh, Midgar's full of flowers, your wallet's full of money. Yes. And like that, I love that. And he Well, he I like because it's in it. words, it's in words that Aerith was able to understand. It was just it conceptualized his whole point. And she was like, oh, yeah, I can bring some life to Midgar. And it can, yeah. it'll benefit everyone and myself at the same time. 
Yeah, and like the the whole the scene where he says like where where he's like making that breakdown of like. Oh, well, you know, it is, it's a rarity. Like, I think people's like, oh, yeah, Midgar's full of flowers and your wallet's full of money. And he, like, gives, like, this really, like, cheeky smile to her. And then she's like, ah, oh, yes, Midgar's full of flowers, my wallet full of money. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I think it's a, it's a super cute scene. And just the whole, this whole entire, the, any time that Zack and Aerith are spending time conversing with each other is just like the cutest shit in this game absolutely i think the thing i love so much about it is like for zach it was almost his way of saying like oh Aerith, you you've already got it all figured out you you you've got your thing these flowers you're good at it it's unique you're good you're ready to go let's go sell your flowers you got this you know what i mean so it's like any insecurities she had zach was like no, you've already you've already got a thing. Yeah, he, you know, he's you know he yeah he's like uh, he's propping her up, gassing her up, and being yeah, like yeah. yeah, it's like yeah yeah you yeah you should do that. You'd be great at it. Yeah, um, and and just one little thing before we we move forward. When as you're about to leave, um, the church, uh, Aerith is like, oh, where where are you going, Zach? And he's like, oh, I'm not really sure. And then she goes, <laughs> all right, well I'll take you there. And then he says, where? And then she goes. Uh, I'm not really sure. <laughs> and I just like, that's, uh, there's just so many of those like little, it's moments like that, that I'm like, man, I really wish that they had more time with each other throughout this game. And if, if Zach does become a, pl- a major player in the events, the future events of remake, I would love to see them interact more, especially as like, you know, Hey, after all this crazy stuff happened, you know, because as we we get to see is like they do like they do spend a decent amount of time together in this game but a lot of it is like you know Aerith will like call him on the phone and be like oh hey what's going on you know yeah I'll see you later kind of stuff mm-hmm. a lot of it is that um and you know if the you know if the if our theories about remake and the future of remake are true and that Aerith has this prior knowledge you know I I be curious to see what a conversation between the two of them would be like you know what i mean well i think you're gonna get your wish dude i think we're gonna see a lot we're gonna see a reunion of zach and Aerith. i really believe it in the remake and i think you're gonna get exactly that i think actually while well, talk about remake for a second i think we're gonna get a lot of Aerith talking to zach and sephiroth I think we're almost yes, gonna yeah yeah that's another thing too that i i, I don't i feel like we brought it up i don't know if it was uh, on recording or not, but uh, that the definitely the possibility of like Aerith and Sephiroth having a dialogue more than like because in the remake they kind of were just like throwing jabs at each other. It was very kind of, pro wrestling. Not, yeah, it was not. They were not actually having like a one to one conversation. It was just like you're evil and we must stop you. Uh, um, but yeah, I would love I would love to have like a twenty minute scene. <laughs> You know, like Kojima style of just them two talking in a in a room somewhere. Oh, you, you want know? that Batman and the Joker, the Dark Knight scene, just with yes, just with yes, Aerith absolutely. and Sephiroth. <laughs> yes, and I want Aerith to slam Sephiroth's head on the desk. Where is he? Where is he? You son of a bitch! Uh, <laughs> He's in Hojo's laboratory. You'll never make it in time. <laughs> oh God. But, uh, yeah, um, I, I don't think, uh, there was, I think after this, there's a, a bunch of like, uh, there, I know there's like a little quest that you go on where there's like a kid that you gotta find some like, shitty kid. 
yeah, a kid like steals your your wallet or whatever, and then you track down the kid, but then he's like, "Oh, a monster ate your wallet. Sorry." And then gotta go you know, kill the monster. Gotta go kill the monster and the, the get the the slime covered wallet. And uh, yeah, that's just kind of like eh, whatever. But I think the the real the next important scene to talk about is uh, when Zach and Aerith. Um, uh, where I don't remember exactly how we get to this exact situation, but they're basically like, they're kind of going around the marketplace of Sector Five, uh, which does look a lot different from how it does in remake, but uh, that doesn't really surprise me. Um, and it's funny because the way that actually the the way that um you buy stuff in this game is all through the menu. You don't actually visit any vendors in this game. Like you, you have like this whole shopping district and like, you could like walk up to the stores, but you can't actually interact with them. Uh, which is an interesting, interesting little side note. But, um, I think you just, you stop by one of these stores, uh, and Aerith is like, Oh, I really like this place. And like, they're selling bows, uh, as in hair bows, not like the weapon. Um, <laughs> well, actually, before we get to that, um, I want to bring up a conversation they have, a little bit before that. I think it's actually just before that. It's right after the the side mission with the kid. And maybe I skipped ahead a little bit. I don't think so. But what I'm talking about is when they're talking about the sky. I don't know if this is ringing a bell for you. But Zach brings up, you know, leaving the plate and going to see the sky. And Aerith brings up a line that's pretty... I, I, I won't want to say famous from Remake, but she brings up, I hate the sky. When Zach kind of prods her on it, I think this is interesting, right? Because when we're living in a world where Remake is recontextualizing a lot of the stuff from things like Crisis Core, here's this line, I hate this guy. And when Zach asks why, her response is, I don't know, it feels like it's sucking me in. Or or she feels like the sky is sucking her in. And Mm. I tried thinking about that for a while, what that could possibly mean. Like, Like, what is she getting at? Why would something like that frighten her? And... The best I could come up with, and let me know what you think of this, is you have somebody like Aerith who's sensitive to the planet and hearing, getting messages from the planet and stuff like that. Maybe the reason she hates the sky so much is because she knows when she leaves the plate, she's essentially walking to her death. Like, leaving Midgar mm. means this is like the final act for her. She's essentially, by leaving Midgar and now exposing herself to the big sky... She's kind of being sucked into the next life because, as we know, what happens in OG, she's walking along that path and getting right. closer to it. That's the best I could think of. Now, I'm assuming we're talking about Aerith as she is in Remake, right? Not in Crisis Core. Almost both, dude, because here in Crisis Core is where she says these lines. All we've gotten from Aerith in Remake was, you know, I hate it, the Steel Sky. Here she's mm. talking about the sky sucking her in, and that's why she's frightened of it. Right. I, I have. Yeah, because I'm, I'm just thinking because of, you know, because obviously, you know, we were we have the theories of like remake Aerith being sort of omniscient or uh, omnipotent or, or whatever the term is that she kind of knows all these things ahead of time. And I it's weird that I never really got any of that sense. I mean, obviously, you know, this I feel like this Aerith is a different entity from that Aerith from remake. Um but I wonder, I wonder how much of it is just kind of like subtle foreshadowing of like the OG stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wonder, because yeah, it's definitely interesting that she brings that. You know, because she in in this 
timeline or whatever, she wouldn't necessarily have that knowledge or seemingly wouldn't have that knowledge of, uh, of all the stuff that was going to happen to her, you know, cause it, it, it would be more believable to me if it was like, she always knew that she was like, you know, if she left that she was going to die, you know, well, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those weird things you could probably go down. <laughs> 20 different ways to be like, well, you know, you, I guess everyone knows they're going to die at some point and you know, that she is felt more comfortable in the slums and that if she went out, you know, into the, into the, you know, where she could see the sky that she would be, uh, present to more danger, I guess. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to like take away anything you said. I'm just trying to like, I don't know. Try to like well, it's, more like it just seems recon- like she has this associated vulnerability with the sky, right? That she kind of is just like she generally kind of feels she feels safe, you know, under and you know, and if you you know, there are definitely some people that have that sort of like, hey, I'm you know, I'm in you know, I'm underneath a, a thing, I feel very secure kind of thing, right? And then the the, the sky could be to many people is like a symbol of, of openness and freedom. But to some people, openness and freedom is kind of a scary thing. So I'm, assu- I'm assuming that's where she's coming from. Which is funny because in stark parallel to Zack, at least the path Zack is walking and where he ends up at the end of Crisis Core, he, he values mm. nothing more than freedom. He valued like, it's almost like Zack would love nothing more than the open sky, which is kind of what he's getting at here. You know, he right. kind of thrives on that freedom. That's what he lives for. Or at least he's in the process of finding that out. Um, whereas with Aerith, it's something that terrifies her. And it's, it's interesting because this is somebody who's so well connected to the planet, so well connected to doing things like growing flowers and harvesting flora, you know, and for her, for her to like be afraid of something that goes hand in hand with so much of her identity, there, you know, there's something peculiar about that. And I can't help but think that like, she almost has this deja vu-esque association with the sky having something to yeah, do with her that, walking towards her death. I don't know. Yeah, and I guess maybe, you know, because I, I was just thinking, I'm like, it, it's a real shame that we don't have more information about the time that Aerith, you know, before we see her in Crisis Core and her time as like a kid when she was at Shinra. And I'm wondering, because of her time with Shinra, maybe she that's what she associates that she doesn't like. Because if she was at Shinra Tower, that means she could see the sky from there. And ah. you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, go. I was wondering if there was some sort of a connection there. Maybe I'm like, cause I feel like there was a piece of the puzzle that we're missing to like make this make more sense. And I'm thinking that's probably it of like, maybe she associates the sky with negativity or negative things because of her time that she spent in Shinra tower. But well, it's interesting that's, I mean, that's to the me. Best guess I it's have. interesting to me that those were the last words of FF Seven Remake. Well, that's the last. Those are the last words written in the script, um, mm-hmm. and for that conversation to be happening here, and for that moment, and for that line to be the first line she says after bumping into Zach. Right. You know what I mean? It's almost like, oh God, we defeated fate, and now that feeling of being sucked in has found me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, maybe at this point, maybe she feels like, you know, now that, you know, she has met with Zach and be like, oh, maybe she kind of feels that there's something stirring inside of her. Or maybe she, you know, if she, if she is connected to the planet, if she's well connected to the planet, maybe she feels there's a st- some she you know feels like a disturbance in the force, you yeah. know, for lack of a better term, you know, because we don't know at this point, you know, 
of how you know she obviously she knows that she's a a cetera, but she I don't know if she fully understands what that means at this point in like in this timeline or whatever. Well, all she so, really has is what Shinra's told her because she was too young to right. really get any of the knowledge from her mother. Yeah, yeah, she didn't really get anything from uh, Ifalna, but um, yeah, and then, I mean, of course, we know from remake that you know she talks, she literally talks to the to the planet. Uh, through the flowers and stuff like that. So I wonder, you know, if that was just always a... She she always was a, a, a caretaker of flowers because that was just her way of talking to the planet. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of these things that I feel like could be touched upon, hopefully. And I, that's what I would love to see, actually, in, in, in further remake parts, is that uh, a little bit more flushing out of Aerith as a character and, like, what her you know, what her experiences were like before this greater story, you know what I mean? Because I feel like, cause she's obviously such an important character and, you know, we even, was it, was it Kitase that said that she was like the main character or she was I supposed think Nojima, to be the main character? Nojima said that Aerith Nojima was, Aerith that. was, Aerith, we play as Cloud, but Aerith was written as the main character. Right. So I'm wondering, I'm hoping maybe going forward that maybe we will get a little bit more because i mean even in remake we got more like even though even though the short scenes with her as a kid with um elmira was like you know that was i i don't believe that was in the original was it or was it not the same or maybe i think i think they fleshed it out more in remake yeah i think this quote-unquote scene was there but remake fleshed out into a more full dialogue yeah like a full actual thing yeah um, so yeah, I, I would love to see that moving forward, but, um, uh, should we, I guess we should continue. Yeah. Get to the, you were getting to the continue. ribbon. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, Zach was basically saying, um, he's like, Oh, I think he just wanted to buy her a gift. Right. Yes. And it was, it was, I, he said some, some cute shit like, Oh, we'll celebrate our one day anniversary or some, something like that. And uh, it is her iconic, her now iconic bow uh, that she wears, um, which I, it's funny because I remember when I had played through this originally, um, <laughs> I, I didn't even notice that she didn't have the bow on <laughs> until she put it on here. Um, That's so funny because like, I noticed it right away. Yeah. It's, I was like, it's she weird. that bow, man. It's weird because, and it's like, I, I felt like I knew something was off. But I couldn't tell what it was, and then I saw the bow, and I'm like, "Okay, that's okay. <laughs> that's that's obviously what was missing." Um, but yeah, and then you know she says, uh, "You know, I'll, I'll never take it off." And uh, <laughs> then right at immediately right after that, she's like, "Hey, you want to go to the park?" And uh, then they go to the park, and we have another another park scene, which I think is another one that we can kind of draw a lot of parallels to so remake many. so many um where i and i also i love this the way that the scene starts is Aerith is talking about uh talking about members of soldier and like how scary they are and how like not normal they are you know She's, see it sounds like she met roche yeah it's like she was talking about i feel like she probably was talking about um I mean, I guess it would have to be Sephiroth. Sephiroth is probably the most well-known to, like, the general... Well, actually, no, because there's whole there's a whole, like... Uh, I mean, I don't know about... Because you got to think about what are the people on the slums getting news-wise, right? Are they getting the same news as stuff that's getting... On the top of know, the people plate. People are getting yeah. on the top, you know? 
um, because like on the top plate, like there are, you know, there are fan clubs for Angeal Genesis and Sephiroth, um, that you can join. <laughs> so it's like, maybe the general population knows Genesis and Angeal and maybe, cause I'm assuming that they don't know, obviously all the little details about, you know, Genesis, you know, uh, deserting soldier and having a clone army. I'm sure people don't know about that part. But they probably have seen these guys in the flesh before, at least, or like a recording of them and being like, man, these guys are fucking weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I like that Aerith was talking about, talking about these soldier guys and all these things, not even thinking that Zack could be one of them. You know what I mean? And then like when Zack says, oh, well, I'm a soldier. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, almost <laughs> like, like, well, like, I mean, I guess that shows you Zack's not like other soldiers. She didn't have that soldier vibe. Yeah, and he's not... I mean, because he seems pretty much like he's the most normal... Out of all the soldiers that we've ever met in Final Fantasy VII, he's the most normal person. Uh, maybe with the... I was I would say with the exception of Angeal, but even Angeal's a little bit of a weirdo in his own way. I mean, he, dude, you know? dude killed he's, his fucking he's mom. Like a sto- he's a stoic weirdo. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but... Um, Which, by the way, I just then, want to punch in that I love that so much because then, like... It gives Aerith a little bit more awareness when dealing with Cloud's weirdness. You know, like when when mm-hmm. he just doesn't know how to high five her. It's like at least yeah. you, now you know Aerith knew that was kind of coming. Yeah, and that's like I feel like she I feel like she used that as a like, okay, I want to get this guy to sort of open up a little bit more. I feel like this might be the best way <laughs> to go about it. Like, where's the where's a good gauge of how? Uh, socially adjusted this guy is. All right, let's try giving him a high five and then be like, oh, okay, that's where we have to start. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like, all right, at least we know where we're at, you know? But I think in terms of, like, remake Aerith, I feel like, you know, if, if, our, if our ideas are, are true, that, like, she just knows who Cloud is all, ultimately and is just trying to sort of slowly guide him out of his shell. But... I mean, we've talked, we've, I think we, when we were talking about that part for that chapter, I think we went into crazy detail about that. But, uh, just, just to finish, just to finish the scene real quick. Um, I I like how Aerith is like, you know, she says, oh, you know, they fight and they love it. And like, you see like this sort of like really concerned look on her face. And, uh, that's when she, that's when Zack says, oh, I'm a soldier. (laughs) And she's like, oh, (laughs) oh no. Um, but then I like how this is literally, there's like this awkward silence that happens. And then she almost is very, very much like remake. She goes, oh, wow. And, uh, Zack goes, oh, like, oh, my stunning face. She's like, no, your eyes. He's like, oh, you want to get a... It's very... It's so much of a juxtaposition between the remake scene because it is, like... Zach is, like like we said before, he's very, like, open to all this stuff. So he's like, oh, you want to get a closer look at him? And then he he comes, you know, marching up to her and, like, puts his face in her face. And uh, they have, like, that cute little moment. Uh, and she's like, oh, you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she... I forget, she said, like, something... A little, or no, it was Zach saying he's like saying that you know things haven't been normal lately, and uh, you know it's almost like you can kind of feel like they both they both understand that things are kind of like on a cusp, you know, like there there's some things some big things are about to change in both of their lives, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. And they kind of, like, there's that, that mutual feeling of, like, something, it's almost like they know that they should be meeting each other and talking to each other and, you know, that they don't know what's going to be coming next, but they know that something is coming, you know? That, I just want to give Zach extra points for his charm here, where Aerith's looking into his eyes and he goes, blue like the sky, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, poke, yeah. Just <laughs> poking at her, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then he, I like how he also, he's like, yeah, you know, eyes infused with Mako, the soldier trademark. Like, to like just to go out of his way to be like, yep, this is how you can identify a soldier if you ever see another one. Mm-hmm. So we all have the Mako eyes. And then uh, shortly right after that, just, just as the scene's about to get good, uh, we get called away by Sephiroth to go back up on the plate. You know, I knew a lot of things about Sephiroth. Going into Crisis Core all those years ago. I never expected mm-hmm. this man to be a cock block. <laughs> yeah. Never, you, you the, would think, the, right? the war hero? A cock out of block? Things, really? Out of all the things Sephiroth is and was, I didn't think a cock block would be a, on that list. Really? But we could just add that to the list of the, all the shitty things that <laughs> Sephiroth has done. Do you think that's what it is? Do you think that's why Aerith... That's what this is all about. She's just mad at Sephiroth for calling Zack in the middle of their cute moment. And that's like, well, now I'm going to kill you and your mother. <laughs> yeah, I could I could see that. I could totally see that. Imagine that was the big twist of Seven Remake. We're actually the bad guys. This is all just because Aerith felt like Zack was cockblocked. Yeah, like she, yeah, she rewound the timeline so that she could kick his ass for yeah not allowing them to have a, a bigger first date. <laughs> That would be fucking hilarious. That's like, oh, you, th- you would think that, oh, you know, if she were around the whole entire timeline, it would be for some altruistic reason. It's like, nah, I just, I wanted to get more time with Zach. I want my first date with Zach back. Well, Genova could provide you that if you let her in. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things like it's incredibly selfish, but it's also really kind of sweet <laughs> in a way. It's like, I literally rewound time to spend more time with you. Oh, um, and the crowd goes on. And the crowd goes on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, then we get, we are automatically at like the next scene. We're just on the highway running back to Shinra tower where say the line, Bart, we fight more Genesis clones. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, we do a little bit of that and then we meet back up with Angeal, the boy who just kind of shows up. By the way, I want to pause and, real quick and say I hope that if sure. we do get to play as Zack in Remake, we get to use this sword he's been rocking. Because it's a dope sword. Yeah, it is. It, I believe that that sword is like the standard soldier sword. Because I believe that's the same kind of sword that Roche has in Remake and that the other those other um, C-class soldiers that you fight in Remake have them as well. Uh, I believe, I want to say, I'm not 100% certain, but I want to say that is that is like the standard issue, like soldier sword, and then I guess if you become a first class, then you can have your own crazy, you know, either super long or super fat or super red That's sword. where they, they break the budget for you once you get into first class. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, if you want to, yeah, you want to have a crazy super weapon. Midgar's taxes you know. have you covered. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so yeah, we, yeah, we meet up with Angeal, and uh, this scene uh, to me is just like a great, almost a great like sort of like vertical slice of like why I'm so conflicted with Angeal as a character because 
he Zach just straight up asks him of like, what are you doing? Or like, what? You, or he says like, what are you thinking? And he's just like, I don't really know. <laughs> so he, uh, he says something like, oh, my, I feel, it feels like my mind is mired in fog. And, it, and on one hand, I'm just like, man, yeah. And then he go, he kind of goes on about, uh, you know, having to protect my honor, blah, 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 blah. Um, but it's like, Angel, I feel like is this character who he says all these like really sort of like really, you know, crazy, you know, well, not crazy, but like, what's, what's the best word? He's like all the, all these, he's saying all these things that are very like, you know, very profound and kind of like, you know, very, you know, sort of, you know, everything's very pontificating and, you know, he's like saying all these things and then, <laughs> and then he cuts to, you know, he's like, Hey, uh, you know, uh, Zach, come and help me, uh, take, take on uh Genesis. And he's like, all right, I'll help you. And then he literally, he's, he picks him up and then he flies away with him. And he, he goes right before they fly away. He goes flying feels pretty good. Hey. <laughs> like, and I'm like, what is this character where he goes, he bounces back and forth from being like this really like stoic kind of very cerebral kind of guy. And then he like is also like this big doofus as well, where he has like these, these lines like this. And then like before where he's like, Oh, you're a little bit more important than my sword. And I'm like, I like Angel a lot, but then I'm just like, what, I don't know what they're doing with this character at a certain point. I'm just like, it felt like almost like they couldn't decide. On, uh, not that, not that he had to be one specific way or another, but I don't know. And especially in this scene, you know, it's just kind of like, he just shows up and he's like, Hey, join me. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I guess. Well, it almost then, seems, it almost seems like this was an Angeal who had considered some of the things Zach said to him in their prior meeting, right? Like that mm. flying feels pretty good line. Uh, that could have something to do with Zach saying like, nah, some people not everyone who grows a wing is a monster. You know, some of them are yeah. angels. Some of them are, it's a, it's just like Cisne said earlier in the game. It's a, it's associated with freedom. Freedom. You know, I right. think Angel's finally starting to let himself He's feel a little bit of that. Get it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things where like now you kind of, and it's also a little, a little bit confusing in, in terms of like, well, we don't know where Angel's really, you know, we don't know where he's at mentally in terms of like, cause we, before it was kind of assumed that he had joined Genesis. Oh, everybody's his, cracks are showing is. the big, if you talk about the big three as Sephiroth, Genesis and Angeal, everybody's cracks are starting to show a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we see like when, when uh, Angel carries Zach away, he literally, they go up to, you know, halfway up the, the Midgard tower or Shinra tower, I should say. And, uh, they just meet up with Sephiroth as he's fucking up dudes, uh, throwing giga flares at dudes in the hallways. Um, and I, I like the little, it, it's weird because it's like, they didn't, I don't think Angel and Sephiroth have talked to each other in a while, or at least since he left. Um, but it was almost like, it was almost like they never left at all. You know, they, they, they never stopped talking at all. Um, cause he's like, oh, oh, uh, uh, Sephiroth, did you lose some weight? And <laughs> Sephiroth gets all moody and edgy and Angel's like, oh, I guess you're still the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then we, uh, we get tasked with the, the, uh, objective of, uh, protecting Hojo 
because we find out that Hojo is the target of Genesis this time. And, uh, or I guess, well, it's, well, we find out that it's Hollander sent Genesis to take, either take out or to, um, capture Hojo. And, uh, I, I also just, I want to say, uh, I'm glad that Hojo has gotten the same amount, like the same level of like creepy treatment in all of his appearances. (laughs) Like he just, they, they nailed that character like from the get go. And thank God, because he's uh, he's pretty central. It, yeah, it's good to yeah, have, like, it's, you know what it is? It's like you have the villains that you almost sort of admire, like Sephiroth, just because, like, they're so badass. And then there's, you, but yeah. to balance it out, you need villains like Hojo, who, like, you just... Like, irredeemably, like, shitty and slimy. You just want to punch him in the face, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like... You know, and then you have, you know, like a Corneo type guy where it's like, yeah, he's like kind of a goofball, but he's also like an irredeemable scumbag as well. Exactly. You know, it's like you need you, you every story needs that character that you just you don't have to feel any sort of negativity about hating on. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you're just you're just there's no redeeming qualities about you at all. You're just a piece of shit. Well, th- well thank God for Hojo. And you know, because you know, I feel like with especially with within Crisis Core, it kind of kind of blurs the lines between good and evil and all that stuff. But not Hojo. Hojo doesn't see lines. No, Hojo's the Hojo's probably just, the easiest character to understand in this whole yeah, damn he's, series. Yeah, he's just he's doing what he wants to do, and that's it. And he's not all you know, I care about is my research. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then. Yeah, so we, we meet up with him, and th- I this whole sequence that happens with Hojo uh, and Zack is pr- it's pretty interesting because I kind of forgotten about it, um, where he does like a he does an experiment on Zack, and it's really just you answering some questions like who do you admire more, Sephiroth or Angeal? Um, what are the other questions? Uh, what Shin- what does Shinra need most? many powerful soldier operatives or state-of-the-art science and technology and uh what is more befitting of a soldier member a person who gives who gives all to shinra or a person unafraid to challenge shinra and i don't know you do get some sort of like a bonus from this um i think depending on what you pick but i don't know what those different bonuses are um and another weird thing is that i guess depending on who you uh say you admire more there's like a little text bubble that comes up after you're done with this that says, oh, you feel closer to that person. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I, I've not read up on... You might be more think... likely to draw their um, like attack bonus. Maybe, yeah. Here. Maybe, uh, yeah, in the, in the DMW or, or whatever it yes. is. Yeah, that, that, prob- that probably totally is what that is. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about that, but that's totally uh, what that is. Um. And I like, yeah, it's like he kind of, and the whole sequence of him even getting you, he's like, he has like this tube in the center of the room that's open and Zach just walks up to it and he's like, oh, what is this, what is this neat looking thing? And he's like, oh, why don't you go inside and take a better look? <laughs> and it's just like the most simplest, like, you know, it's like as, as, uh, as charming and as strong and, and charismatic as Zach is, he's fucking dumb. <laughs> you know, he's like, he doesn't have like that. You know, like, much like a puppy, he has, like, he doesn't have that, like, kind of basic, you know, um, like, self-preservation kind of, you know, thing of, like, oh, you wouldn't think, oh, you know, I guess 
I guess Stan, because we know that Hojo's like a, a a sketchy piece of shit, but I guess Zach technically wouldn't know that. So he's like, oh, a, a guy that I'm working for wouldn't necessarily do anything bad to me or to harm me. But uh, yeah, I just I like that whole that whole sequence, and then like you you come out of it afterwards, and you get like this big like uh, shock of energy or whatever. <laughs> and Zach goes, oh, I, I I was kind of expecting to feel like a surge of power or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nope. Just like that little thing of like, oh, I was expecting that, you know, you if you watch like, you know, anime or something where you, you get, you have that like surge of power, you know, it's like, oh, no, I don't really feel anything. <laughs> but you get whatever, I think in uh, in this, in the walkthrough that we're watching, the guy got a, like a thousand extra SP or something. It's something like that. Um, and, uh. I'm sure there's probably depending on what you choose. I'm sure there's different um, uh, different bonuses that you get. But uh, right after that, our boy, our our red jacket, not Dante boy, comes back in, uh, spouting his loveless, and uh, we learn that uh, or or Hojo um, uh, comes to the conclusion that Hollander sent Genesis there. To stop, uh, to or he or he says, or if you if you obey Hollander, you think that he'll stop your body from degrading. And uh, we don't we don't get any sort of uh, answer from Genesis from that, but I'm assuming that's what this the whole, you know, Genesis this whole plan of his is to stop his body from de- uh, degrading. And I well, we do come to learn at a certain point that that's what his whole uh, thing is about. And it's not just necessarily from Hollander. He also wants some of that extra power, you know, from whatever the gift of the goddess, as he keeps calling it. He wants that good um, shit. He wants that. Wants that straight. That pure Genova THC. That super hot uh, fire. That super hot Genova <laughs> fire. That super hot Cetra fire. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, we get a nice little sort of like Mexican standoff between uh, Zach, Genesis, and then Angel shows up, and then uh, I love that uh, Hojo says, "Oh, this is oh the uh, all the members of uh, Hollander's Circus are here," and uh, yeah, Hojo's just kind of this whole entire time he's like being a shitlord as he's known to do, total shitlord, and uh, it's <laughs> we get back onto the uh, topic of Loveless. And they were talking about the the infamous uh, Act Four of Loveless, which is was never completed, and uh, it's 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 one of those things that comes up uh, repeatedly throughout the story. And I'm curious to see maybe I wonder if they'll like uh, they'll touch upon that in the remake as well, you know, because that's just like a thing, a little piece of lore of like this play that has this this ending that was never completed or never found. And it has all these other like extra alternate endings that people have come up with over the years. Gee, it, al- almost sounds like the ending <sighs> of OG. Hmm. Ah. Yeah, maybe. And then I'm mean, well in this specific instance, it's more. Uh, it's kind of crazy just because it's like, oh, and this part, this part of Loveless is like, oh, where the two friends challenge each other to a duel. And it's like, as Hojo's explaining that, you could see Genesis and Angeal looking at each other in the background. <laughs> and even Genesis, or, uh, I think Angeal's like, well, how does it end? And um, Hojo's like, oh, no one knows because uh, all the things I just said. 
but uh, I, <laughs> I just thought it was like super on the nose of like, you know, cause there's a lot of been a lot of subtle storytelling going on a lot of like subtle uh, foreshadowing going on. But uh, this game is also not, uh, <laughs> it definitely falls victim to um, a little bit on the nose like like symbolism and and things like that, which is not an, it's not a bad thing, but it is a little funny. I think like, it's something really... video games used to have to rely on just due to the lack of oh st- yeah storytelling yeah. ability they had. Not that there haven't been amazing stories told through video games, especially in some retro games from this era, but. You know, there were a lot of hardware and technology yeah. limitations, so things like symbolism had to lift a lot of the heavy, like, a lot of the load. Yeah, and especially, and I feel like that was definitely more so with um, JRPGs and just games from Japan in general. And yes. it's wonder. I wonder if it's one of those things that another sort of, uh, like, a translation thing, you know, where, because... The Japanese language is so weird and sort of like it's more abstract than the English language, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like I wonder if there's a lot of things that if you were a Japanese person or if you were fluent in Japanese and were reading this or, or listening to it in its original Japanese, if it would have a different sort of it wouldn't come so, you know, it wouldn't come off as so on the nose, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not, I don't, I'm not necessarily knowing where I, what point I'm trying to make here, but uh, I feel like because it is a common thing that we see, especially in Final Fantasy games of in this era, um, and I guess like just games, the uh, Japanese games that you know had voice acting around this time, it kind of had that similar. Everything was kind of like, ooh, you know, this things and stuff are gonna be. We're gonna ooh, is it ooh? You know, I know that I'm being very descriptive. I know, but <laughs> <laughs> you you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed this little scene a lot. But it's not not to be outdone. Um, as we have our little thing, and then this this whole little thing happens, and then Genesis just walks away and blows a hole in the side of the, like to to escape. And I'm like, what what was your what was your deal? What was your plan, Genesis? To just come here and... Well, I guess he probably wasn't expecting uh, Zach and Angeal to be there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just it was, thought it was kind of funny that he just comes in and he's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to peace out now that you guys are here. Yeah, no need for <laughs> him to stick go around. Yeah, and then uh, then we get we get brought up to the top with, uh, with Angeal. And then we have... Uh, probably a nice uh, my, one of my favorite nice little Zack and Aerith moments um, as uh, as we get to the to the rooftop we see that uh, Genesis is summoning another summon um, and Angel just drops off he's like yeah you could take care of this and then he goes off to fight Genesis and then as uh, the summon is being summoned in the background Zack gets a call on his phone from Aerith <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, uh, uh, "Can I call you back later? I kind of have a, I kind of have company right now." And then we see the the animation of uh, Bahamut. I think it's the Bahamut Fury. I think it's called. It's a, actually a really cool um, Bahamut design because he's like all gold and shit, and he's really awesome looking. Yeah, no, it's one of the it's one of the coolest looking bosses I've seen. This yeah, is a cool and, and, looking boss, man. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. I, I I normally don't like 
giant monsters that are like have like a golden kind of sheen to them but for some reason it works in this instance because he kind of looks it looks more like robotic to me than bahamut normally kind of looks like but you uh, know it almost looks like he's got a little tech on him i wanted to bring up actually zach's line right before the fight starts where yeah he, and he says yeah don't yeah uh Aerith is uh yeah he's about he, you know he pulls out his sword and he says um don't keep your guests waiting she says <laughs> And I'm like, oh man, I just, I, I am imagining a, a, like a world where like this game exists, but like you have Aerith as like your hype man, you know, that like you, as you're fighting, she's like, yeah, go get him. Or like, you know, just has like these little like barks that, you know, her, a little bit of encouragement, you know, to go through. Like if there was a, uh, if there was ever a Final Fantasy fighting game, that would, uh, that would be great to see. If she's like one of the announcers or something, you know, that just made me, uh, it made me feel like I'd want to see something like that. Well, you might, I mean, you do kind of get that in remake a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I just, it's one of those things where like, I wish, I also wish that it, well, I, maybe for this one, it doesn't, if we could actually hear her say it, if it, I don't know if that would have been better or worse. I kind of like that. We don't hear her saying it and then he says it. Um, cause I think it just works more naturally in this way, but there are other moments in this game that times like this happen where I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe we, I wish we kind of heard her. We actually heard them having the conversation, but, um, yeah, no, I think that was, uh, that was like the standout point of this chapter to me, <laughs> aside from, you know, uh, Zach and Aerith meeting, but like this line, like right before you fight the boss, like, I feel like person, like really like encapsulates their relationship and that like they've only known each other for like a few hours and they're already like and their chemistry's already flowing off it's the like charts. off the charts through the roof yeah it's just it's and every everything involving the two of them is just like the most charming sweetest thing ever and I, i'm glad that they went through all the stops that they went to uh to make it appear that way you know yeah me too I feel like they really uh, went all in for it. They made you because, like, they, they had to make it quick, right? And they do a really good job of establishing them quick and getting them to naturally, you know, converse with one another in a way that's charming and makes you feel like they're made for each other. Even though, as we yeah, said, it's there's very not natural. really a lot of screen time between the two. Yeah, and it's something that, yeah, you, given what they had to work with and all these things, like you know. And again, I don't know, like I said earlier, it's like, I don't know if it's that expectation that we have as fans that we know that they had, that they got along well, you know, and whatever it's like, but this would be the first time of us seeing that. So, you know, I feel like they probably could have took, taken it and, or taken it in many different directions, but whatever the direction that they decided to take it in, uh, is perfect. I think, I think this whole, this whole sequence and every every little thing that they have and even some of the parts later on with the two of them that could kind of are a detriment to the overall story um i i still enjoy um and it makes me want to be like man i wish we just had more time with the two of them like i'll i'll always think that whenever i think of um, this part of this, or just this game in general, is like I, I'm glad that we got to see more of Zach and and give him more of an actual personality and a 
and um, more agency as a character, I guess. But... Well, I mean, it worked well enough they decided to bring him back for remake. So, And not just yeah. like bring him back as was. They want him to be all the more important. Yeah, and uh, I can't. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what they do with him in the, in the future. And I can't wait to see what the future of this game in particular holds. Yeah, even it'll be I know, interesting. Even though I know, I know what it holds, but you know, I'm putting that on, on a, as an effect on for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly happen what, in the future? What could be coming of this Final Fantasy VII prequel? I don't know. You'll have to um, tune in <laughs> next week for us to, to tell you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that was that was kind of where we were going to stop naturally, anyway. Yeah, no, it lined um, up was nicely. There, was there was there anything else that you want to add? Uh, I don't think there wasn't. I mean, we kind of touched on everything. I feel like I say this at the end of ever. So like, yeah, I think we got. I think we got it all. Yeah, no, I think we. I think we. And then I'll always be like, oh fuck, I I forgot uh, to bring up that thing. Yeah, I'm. Well, I mean, at the la- at the end of the last episode, I I was kind of like, man, I wish because that was the last episode that we recorded in of last year, and I was like, should we have like said something, you know, and been like given a good a good thanks? I mean, we could do it now, I guess, um, since we're we're recording this on the the fourth of January of twenty twenty one, and uh, I don't know. I mean, we kind of we already said our thanks to everyone in the Discord and stuff, but to everyone else who's not a part of the Discord uh, and who has been listening to us uh if you're if you are a recent listener if you've been listening for a while i uh, just want to say thank you i guess and uh we appreciate you even if if we if you made yourself known or if you're just lurking in the background that's fine too just uh just know that we appreciate you all and uh yeah i'll leave it at that yeah let me let me just <laughs> say don't want to get too sappy let me just say i echo your entire sentiment I just want to thank everybody for welcoming us into their homes and their ears and their commutes. Um, we're glad you're taking this journey with us. Let's hope the part two gets here soon. And, you know, whether you're in the Mosey gang or lurking in the shadows, um, <laughs> we, we really do thank you coming out and yeah. giving us your ears. Much, much love and appreciation. And uh, would you would you like to count us off? I would our- love to. Our our first our first fanfare of 2021. Let's do this. Three. All right. Two. Two. One. One. Woo. <laughs> <laughs>